You're listening to Inspirational Perspective with Linnell Harris. Inspirational Perspective is all about murdering mediocrity and living the best life possible. Are you living the best life possible? You can subscribe to the Inspirational Perspective blog at www.inspirationalperspective.com. Follow Linnell on social media. Go to Facebook and like the Facebook page, Inspirational Perspective. You can also follow Linnell on Twitter and Instagram at the handle Linnell Harris. In this recording, Linnell shares how life coaching changed his life and his view on relationships. Let's listen in. Tonight's topic is how life coaching changed my life and my view on relationships. Now, this is not your normal Saturday evening inspirational perspective show. It's not. Uh, You know, this is not a normal topic. And so I encourage you, if you have questions, call, because I can't promise that I'm going to hit a, a subject like this again. Well, I might, you know, now that I'm, uh, I'll be married, I might talk more about relationships than I did before. You know, it's interesting. I was having a conversation with my brand strategist about tonight's show. And uh, I told her, I was like, I haven't written much on relationships. And part of the reason for that is previous to meeting Pam, I couldn't really say I did it well. <laughs> I mean, so how am I going to talk about it? Or did it at all? You know, like, you know, when you talk about commitment overall, um, it's just something that I navigated around and something that coaching really helped me with. So I wrote the blog. I've been writing the blog now for over four years. But, you know, I kept it on what I did, what I did, what I knew, which is, you know, setting goals, you know, staying inspired, being motivated, going after what you want to go for. But a huge portion of that, when you think about life, life is really if you want to break it down into four different pieces. If we were to break it down, it's your overall well-being, right? Your health, you know, who you are. And then relationships probably has to come second. And, you know, I've always had good friendships, good relationship with my family, but not necessarily, you know, committed relationships with women. And then behind relationships comes your your self-expression, or you can call it your spirituality, uh, however you deem that, however you express yourself from spirit. And then last but not least, money, 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 money. I mean, those are the four main components of what I would say makes up our lives. So this is going to be a different show. And I had to make this show different and share my story with you all in hopes that it will inspire and change someone's life and perspective on relationships the way my life has been changed. I feel like that is part of my responsibility and that's part of what I do every weekend with you all here on Inspirational Perspective. So if you have a perspective on relationships or marriage, if you have some advice for me about marriage, I want to hear it. One of, one of my listeners is a relationship coach. I wonder if he's out there. You know who I'm talking about. He knows who he is. And what you got for me? Anyway, all right. So how life coaching changed my life and view on relationships. All right, now. In order to get started, I want to share a segment of last week's show, okay? So Zach is going to cue it up. Zach, let me know when you're ready, man. And I'm going to play this, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll get into the show. All right, so Zach, you ready? All right, let's go. Now, ontology, being the study of being, basically says that you can change who you are at the very core by addressing those two things, by addressing your attitude and your perceptions. That is what coaching is about. Coaching is about transforming who you are 
to who you want to be. I can make it a little more complicated, but that's as simple as I can make it. Who you are to who you want to be. All right, so let's go back to me. When I first got introduced to coaching, marriage was probably the furthest thing from my mind. For what? (laughs) I mean, that's what I used to say. For what? Now, again, I'm a student of Napoleon, and I think it's chapter 11 or 13. I can't remember. One of the things he talks about is the power of love and, and how most men who've accomplished anything accomplished it because they had a strong woman. And I just thought, well, I'm going to be that one dude. <laughs> I'm going to be that one dude that accomplishes it without a woman. Because I, I don't see how, you know, marriage is in the cards for me. I just don't see it. Now, that was my way of being. And one of the things that coaching helped me with was, one, my attitude towards marriage and my perceptions towards marriage which then allowed me to open myself up to the opportunity because I probably still would have met Pam, but I probably would have tore it all up. I would have jacked it up because I would have been being a different person. Y'all follow me? You get where I'm going? This is what coaching did for me, and I'm trying to share what coaching did for me. So anyway, I went through this year-long process, and the cool thing about the process was this. Not only was I taught life coaching, you know, in a training environment, but I was also given a coach. So that way, not only was I being taught, but I was able to see what coaching could do for a person by being the number one example. Okay. And after one year, I will tell you it transformed my life. And anybody who knows me can tell you that. All right. Anybody who's, who's uh, been in my space in an intimate way can tell you that my mom. Okay. That's enough. All right. So I want to go back to the first thing I said. Because this sets the context for the show around how coaching changed my life and made a relationship possible. Now, you might say, well, what do you mean, you know, a relationship wasn't possible? One of the things I said is that the cool thing about coaching is that you can change who you are at the very core of your being. At the very core of my being, I was protected. I was protected. I did everything I could to ensure that another human being could not hurt me. All right. So I wasn't a bad guy. I was a protected guy. Okay. Part of the reason I protected myself is because I felt that if I let a woman get too close to me, that she could destroy everything that I was working on. And so if I could protect myself by not being open, not being vulnerable, then I wouldn't have to worry about that. Now, it's difficult to have a relationship if you're not vulnerable. It is difficult. It's almost impossible. It's impossible to have a relationship. <laughs> you could say you could say you're in one, maybe. I'm talking about a real healthy relationship, right? It's difficult to have that type of relationship if you're not open. And by the way, love has to be a key component in that. And love is something that I had a hard time feeling for people that were new in my space. If you were brand new, you had to prove yourself before I'm going to feel any type of love for you. You can't just show up and I love you. Now, it's a different Linnell today because I can love on somebody after meeting them in five or ten minutes. And that does open you up to pain. 
because love brings about a certain amount of vulnerability and openness. And I will tell you this, that part of the reason I'm able to do that is because of how I learned to love after meeting Pam. That I couldn't be the guy I am if I hadn't met her and fell in love with her, period. It wouldn't be that way. And so it's funny how it intersects with my purpose and what I know I'm supposed to do on the planet. But I had to change who I was at the very core of my being. At the very core of my being, I was protected. So if there happens to be a woman that I dated listening, it wasn't you. You know, well, it might have been a little bit. But (laughs) I'm not going to put it all on me (laughs) because not everybody was all that sweet. But I was protected. I was very protected. So I want to put that out there first. okay? that I shifted who I was at the very core of my being to the extent where I made a choice to choose love. And it was scary. So why 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 was it hard for me to be in a committed relationship? Because I was scared out of my mind. Scared out of my mind to even think or fathom that another person could impact me, could impact my well-being, could impact my emotional state of being. And so I did everything I could do to protect myself. And I'm sure it drove people crazy. Now, you so you could hear me talk about what changed my life to shift my perspective on relationships in that segment. Now, there's another piece I shared that I, I think is really important. OK. Now, what shifted my perspective on relationships was making the choice. I had to make a choice. And this is before I met Pam. I had to make a choice around who I wanted to be. And I I think I plan to talk about this later, so I don't want to get into it, but I'll I'll bring up integrity later. But I I had to make a choice around my own personal integrity and who I wanted to be. And often when we hear the word integrity, we think pureness, honesty, truth. But I want to reshape how you think about integrity, because from an ontological coaching perspective, When I say integrity, it has nothing to do with what somebody sees or thinks about me over here. It has everything to do with my own personal integrity and how it lines up for Linnell. So am I honoring my intentions? Are my words aligned with the intentions and are my actions aligned with the intentions? That is my own personal integrity. Because if we take an external look at integrity, then there are a number of people we could say were out of integrity. For instance, like Martin Luther King, you know, there are things that they did that were unlawful, right? According to what was on the books. So is that a lack of integrity? No, because he was in within personal integrity. His intentions, words and actions were aligned. Same thing with Mahatma Gandhi. I can go down the list. I think you guys follow me. Okay. so that was the other thing that became very clear to me. That as a coach, as an individual who wanted to help others, that if I couldn't figure out this relationship thing, that it was out of my own personal integrity. I had to make a different choice. I had to step out on a limb and say, you know what? My personal integrity says that I need to redefine the relationships I currently have and open myself up to the possibility of a loving relationship. And that's before I met Pam. Now, the third thing I want to talk about 
is the, the, the Napoleon reference I made. I, I talked about Napoleon. If you don't remember, I said I read his I read his writings. I read Napoleon's writings, and I thought that I could be the one guy that would still be successful without a woman. Okay, and if there's any men who are listening tonight, and women, but I, this is I, I would say really to the men. I said so much, Zach. How much do I talk about this book, Think and Grow Rich, man? Uh, a lot, a lot. Now, I don't throw a whole lot of books out there, <laughs> but Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich, chapter eleven. I think when I said it, I was like, I think it's chapter thirteen or eleven. I was I was right halfway. It was eleven, <laughs> but chapter eleven. The name of the chapter. This will get him because this is what sells. The name of the chapter is The Mystery of Sex Transmutation. A lot of people getting on Amazon right now. They're like, what? Napoleon Hill talked about sex? He sure did. All right. Hey, this is the ultimate self-improvement book. I say it all the time. Okay. Because it doesn't just cover the surface of what it takes to be successful. It talks about everything. All right. So. Good. I got 30 minutes. I might need it. But if y'all got questions, call in because I will get to this. It doesn't matter. All right. So sexual transmutation. What does that mean? The meaning of the word transmute is in simple terms, the changing or transferring of one element or form of energy into another. Okay. so when I say Sexual transmutation, that means turning sexual energy into something else. All right. Now, Napoleon Hill talks about this in his book. And what he says is that in order for a man to become truly successful or creative genius, he has to figure out how to turn his sexual energy into something else. Because if he allows that sexual energy to run his life, that he will never be more than the sexual conquest that he has. So men, I know some brothers that I'm telling you from the time they wake up to the time they go to sleep, that whether they know it or not, the thing that is driving them is their sexual energy, how hard they work, the car they drive, the home they have, all of it is sexual energy and is not necessarily being used the right way. And if they funneled it the right way, they could be creative geniuses, period. All right. Now, so he says this in the book and then he, he goes on to say that there are two scientifically researched significant facts. And this is what I was trying to get over myself. Right. I read the book. I, I studied this book and I'm like, well, I'm gonna get around it because <laughs> I was so afraid of a relationship. All right. But the first one was, that men of the greatest achievement are men with highly developed sex natures, men who have learned the art of sex transmutation. Again, remember what I said is transmutation is transfer of that energy. That means that they are not run by their sexual desires. They actually know how to corral it and use that energy for something else. Writing books, creating music, poems, right? Some of the, the great works that we've seen. Are of a man, Charles Dickens is a good example. He wrote Great Expectations after his heart got broken. I mean, he got his heart broke, and instead of laying in the corner crying about it, he wrote one of the greatest classics of our time. 
of that century and still a book that we read in the 21st century. Okay, so that's the first one. Number two. Men who have accumulated great fortunes and achieved outstanding recognition in literature, art, industry, architecture and the professions. I'm also going to say technology. Now, this is the 21st century. Right. Were motivated by the influence of a woman. All right. Now, this is now this is based on 1930, 1939, 1940 scientific facts, scientific research. But I would say that it probably still stands true. So this is what, when I talked about Napoleon, I just wanted to make sure I clarify this. This is what I was trying to avoid and get around by navigating outside of a relationship. Like, I, I don't have to get married. I'm, I'm going to be George Clooney. <laughs> He's successful. <laughs> I can do that uh, versus, you know, be in a, a relationship because that was scary for me. Now, I want to share some more because maybe this will get you all to actually go pick up the book and read it. But the other thing that Napoleon Hill said was that the research from these astounding discoveries were made. How they made them was they went back through the pages of biographies and history for more than 2000 years. Okay, so this is not just, you know, he wasn't just looking at the men of his time. He was looking at, at men from almost all time. And wherever there was evidence available in connection with the lives of men and women of great achievement, what was indicated most convincingly is that these individuals possessed highly developed sex natures. What does that mean? Not that they were out there being promiscuous, but that they knew how to funnel that energy. Okay. All right. So. What he goes on to say later, I'm going to stick with this because I think this is really important. And part of why I know that Pam is the woman for me because of who she is, right? And that marriage is part of my purpose. So a man has the same desire to please woman that he has he has had before the dawn of civilization. I'm reading. I'm actually reading from this chapter. Okay, man has had the same desire to please woman that he had before the dawn of civilization. The only thing that has changed is his method of pleasing men who accumulate large fortunes and attain to great heights of power and fame do so mainly to satisfy their desire to please women. Now that's what I couldn't get around, right? I'm a man and I'm a heterosexual man. Okay. So as a result, most of the things I did was still from the desire to please a woman, right? Now it was aimed at Pam, but before it was aimed at women, right? That takes energy, okay? Take women out of their lives and the great wealth most men accumulate would be useless to them. <laughs> and somebody out there saying, nah, man, give me that paper. It's cool. All right. We'll put you on an island by yourself with all that money. And see how quick you're ready to get off. Because <laughs> you don't got a chick. All right. Now, he goes on to say, it is this inherent desire of man to please women, which gives women the power. This is what scared me, which gives women the power to make or break a man. That's what scared me. So you're telling me that if I marry the wrong person, she can make or break me. 
Wow. Now, this is what I know about the woman I'm marrying, that she's already made me better. She's already made. I'll tell you, you know, sometimes you guys come in on, Linnell, you've come so far with the show. Hey, Pam, when we first started dating, would give me real feedback. Hey, here are the things you did well, and here are the things you need to shift. You need to change uh, because you can do better than that. I was like, okay, all right. (laughs) Now, I'm going to keep reading. The woman who understands man's nature and tactfully caters to it need have no fear of competition from other women. All right, other women, if you are listening, I'm going to read it again. The woman who understands a man's nature and tactfully caters to it need have no fear of competition from other women. It's true. All right, and now I'm going to finish it up by reading these last three paragraphs. This is from... If you're just tuning in, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, Chapter 11. Men may be giants with indomitable will power when dealing with other men, but they are easily managed by the woman of their choice. Most men will not admit that they are easily influenced by the woman they prefer because it is in the nature of the male to want to be recognized as the stronger of the species. No man is happy or complete without the woman, without the modifying influence of the right woman. The man who does not recognize this important truth deprives himself of the power, which he has done more to help men achieve success than any other force combined. I don't think I read that right. Let me say it again. The man who does not recognize this important truth deprives himself of the power, which has done more to help men achieve success than all other forces combined. So, I shared that to say this. One of the things that I love about Pam is that she is a wonderful support. I mean, a wonderful support. She supports Inspirational Perspective. She supports the Insights for Life coaching group. She supports murder mediocrity. She pushes me. She challenges me. And she makes me better. All right, I got Eric from the South Side. Eric, you are on the air, Inspirational Perspective. How are you, man? Oh, uh, yeah, not bad. I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm wonderful. Well, you know, the, the comment that I wanted to ask, and Eric, you know, I was talking, I think it was producer. And don't get me wrong, you know, scripture said, man, it finds the wife, you know, find the good thing, you know, it's a beautiful thing that, you know, God, he created a helpmate uh, for the man. Uh, but my thing is this here, uh, now, you know, I was telling Bedus, you know, Solomon, he wrote in Ecclesiastes, he said that he had about 600, 700 wives, all the wives he had, but he said, with all that he had, he was still empty inside. He said, still, there's still no void. He still, it was still the empty spot for him there, you know. Uh, my, you know, my point was, you know, when I was talking to my chaplain, he said that God always, he made, it's a space that only God can fill. He said, no. Oh, yeah, that's true. Thing. I believe that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he said that even though he said that uh, he figured that if he got as many wives as he could, 
that would get him happy. But he said, in the end of his life, he said he was the wisest man, but at the end of his whole life, he said, nothing filled that void but God. God made a space for only he can feel. Nobody else can feel that. I believe that. You know, so, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, that's just the point I want to make. He said, we may look for a lot of wealth and things is try to fill that void. But Solomon said, at the end of the day, he said, nothing will be able to fill that, that empty spot. But God, we try to fill it with a relationship, a money, a wealth, a success. But he said, really, the only space is left. Only God can really fill that void. Even drugs. People try to find that mm-hmm. space with drugs. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. for so, that. Eric, thank you for that, man. I think you rounded it out well. Okay, listen, I appreciate you. Thanks hey, a lot. Yeah, I'm no learning doubt. from you. Oh, All no. Right. Thank you. Thank you so much. No, I think he rounded that out well. Um, great comment. Great addition. All right. So I was talking marriage for what? Marriage for what? Thanks, Eric, for that. That was right on time. All right. So now you can see where where I was coming from, having read that years ago. I read that when I was 23, 24 years old, man. And, you know, I, I didn't. I was like, oh, how did that work? And the funny thing is, I'm 38 years old now, 15 years later. I mean, so I've been with Pam two years. But before that, in my early 30s, I was still struggling with that whole concept of of how the right woman, like how do you open yourself up to the right woman based on what Napoleon talked about here? Hey, uh, uh, back to Eric's comment. Man, how do you deal with 600 women? Woof. If you're consistent, that means you only see you only see one of them every two years. I, well, maybe I'm thinking about that wrong. Solomon was a mean boy. All right. Anyway, back to the subject. <laughs> it's a mean man. All right. So. I wanted a committed relationship, and I think this is probably the most important thing that I, I can share with you all. Even when I was young, I always wanted to be married. I always wanted a committed relationship. As I said earlier, I didn't know how. I wanted love. I wanted to be with the right woman. I wanted to be with one woman. I just didn't know how. And when I say I didn't know how, I didn't know how to put aside my fear and have the faith that this would happen. And coaching gave me the opportunity to declare my future. So one of the things I talked about in the show last week, which is why I think this is a great follow-up, is that one of the major components of coaching is declaring and then fulfilling on what you declare. So declaring that you are going to be in a successful relationship and then taking action. So let me tell you how this went for me. So I was blessed to have a great coach and um, I started work, working with my coach and, and uh, at some point we decided to create a relationship project, right? For a guy who's not in a relationship, but again, declare fulfill. Okay. And so I remember working with him on one particular call. As a matter of fact, he actually emailed me my uh, my check in sheet. You know, so what we do is we send the coach our requests and, you know, the things that we're working on. And they so that way they can understand what we want to talk about. And he emailed what I sent him <laughs> at the very beginning of this project this past week. And we were we were emailing back and forth, kind of, you know, laughing about the irony that I declared. This is what I I wish I had had it up in front of me. But basically what I declared 
was to be in a committed relationship with a woman that I loved completely. And at the time, there were no prospects. I didn't know. I mean, I think I met Pam, but we weren't talking. Okay, not like that. Not even, you know, remotely. And so I have this on my project. And so part of the coach's job is to get, get my objective very clear and my measure very clear. And so one of the things he said to me, he said, all right, so for your objective, are you okay with making being in a committed relationship with someone that you love completely? Yes. Yes, that's the objective, right? And I remember being on the call kind of smiling like, this is nuts. <laughs> like, I wasn't, I mean, I was taking it serious because that's what I wanted, but I just didn't get, like, how declaring it was going to make it happen, okay? And then we set a measure. Then we set a measure. And the measure was, he said, what he asked me was very specifically, Linnell, if you find... The woman that you're looking for. Right. And one of the things we had was conditions of satisfaction. You know, so what kind of woman do you want? I had conditions of satisfaction. So, hey, so single people who out there listening to me, in some ways, this is a free coaching session. OK, because if you want to get married or you want to get into a committed relationship, you need to get real clear on who it is that you're looking for and what would make you happy. OK. So. No conditions of satisfaction. And so I had the conditions of satisfaction, all the things that, you know, were important to me for a woman that I would want to be in a committed relationship with. And then he said, if you found this woman, what would you do? And I said, well, I would marry her. He said, "Okay." So then what is the measure for this project? And we were doing this at the beginning of the year. This is the beginning of uh, 2013. Okay. And he said, what's the measure for the project? And I was like, well, if I met her, I would marry her. He said, so you would be engaged. And I'm like, well, come on. I mean, not right. You know, not this year. He said, well, why not? If it's the right person. And I said, nah, I mean, come on. He's like, well, you're limiting possibility. If you met the woman that you have in your conditions of satisfaction, you telling me that you would let her get away. I said, no. He said, well, the only way not to let her get away is to make sure she knows how you feel about her, which means that you share your intentions for marriage. I said, that's true. He said, so then why wouldn't you marry her if you met her? I said, or ask her to marry you if you met her. I said, okay, you got a point. He said, so is it by the end of the year if you meet her? I said, if I meet her. (laughs) If I meet her. I had no clue Pam was going to walk into my life. No clue. And so we put it on paper. And I say it all the time, putting things on paper is powerful. But we put it on paper, and I met Pam in 2013, and I proposed to her December 21st, 2013, and hit the measure of that project. All right, I got another phone call. Looks like you got a good question, too. Jeff, out of Oak Park, Inspirational Perspective with Linnell Harris. How you doing? Hey, good evening, Brother Harris. I certainly appreciate your insights, man. It it, it does as well. But, but of course, I'm not... um, Critiquing you anything, brother, but hey, but you said some things that brought some things to mind. You know, I think for myself, when I look back from the age of 30, I saw myself at 20 as knowing nothing. And when I hit 40, I saw 30 was also, man, dude, you had you were dumb. So I'm thinking, how do you make such a mind? And I, I even questioned my brother. I questioned other married men. You know, since we all grow and change, uh, uh, 
uh, desires change, uh, uh, you know, interests change, aspirations, what have you. You get the idea. So how can you make that choice? And think about it. And you've heard it before yourself, brother. People mm-hmm. say, well, we grew apart. So, yeah. so, so first of all, one thing I'm going to ask you, brother, here is, didn't we skip that first you have to know yourself? Because oh, you have to do yeah. yourself, brother. You've changed from yeah. you know, age from 28 to 38. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Like, Phenomenal insight. Do you want to share? So something? You want to share something on that? Well, no, no, bro. I'm just throwing it to you. I'm letting you. I'm just. I'm just saying. I mean, aren't we skipping that? You know that. Yeah, that, we are. We I, are. I think a very important point. So I was going to give you, brother. Hey, I appreciate talking with you, man. Okay. No, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Okay. I, I, yeah. Okay. I'll take it from here. <laughs> How about that, man. I love these. I love. I love the callers. Thank you, Jeff. Man, thank you for that. Yes, you have to know yourself, and. Let me tell you what I believe, and I actually have it in my notes right here. Knowing yourself is knowing your purpose, period. And what's unfortunate is so many people don't know their purposes. So you don't know your purpose on the planet, and then you get into a a relationship with someone, a lifetime relationship, and you're not even clear on what you're supposed to be doing on the planet, so what happens if you get clear on that 10 years later after you get married? That means that you have to enroll that person in your purpose. Now, what I do believe is two people love each other deeply that they can make it work. Right. Uh, they will make it work. But it's a little more difficult if you don't know your purpose when you get married. You know, it's a little more difficult. In my case, I'm clear on my purpose and, and part of what. Pam and I have been working on is making sure she's very clear on hers. Like very clear on hers as well. I mean, crystal clear, like because I see mine like I'm not. There's no question. And thanks for that, Jeff, because knowing who you are doesn't just help you navigate through relationship, but it also helps you navigate life, period. Consider that work is a relationship. I mean, you know, you got a relationship with your boss, your, your co-workers, a relationship with that entity, with that corporation, right? That's a con. This is some, sometimes a binding contract. And if your purpose in life is outside of or completely separate from the work that you do, then it's going to be tough. It's going to be very tough. So, you know, to that point. That's when I was talking about integrity, your own personal integrity that lines up with it. And marriage should align with your purpose as well. I would not be marrying Pam if I did not believe that we could not help each other deliver on our personal purpose on the planet. And to go back to what Eric said, that's the tie in, right? Because your personal purpose comes from God. And so that's where you can't leave him out. So wonderful tie-in from both Eric and Jeff. I thank you for that. Here's the other thing. I was listening to Tony Gaskins. He had a he came up in my Facebook feed, and he was just talking. He, you know, how he shoots those videos. And he said in the video, he's like he was in a hotel room. <laughs> I love Tony because he just he'll pick up his phone and just shoot a video. And he he was in the hotel room. And he's like, I'm out here on the road. His southern accent. I'm out here on the road, y'all. I'm in this room working and I'm by myself because my wife is at home. And he then he turned the, he turned the phone on the bed. Ain't no woman in here. 
Ain't no woman in here. I'm by myself. And the reason I'm by myself is because my fidelity to my wife is tied to my purpose. I was like, yes, sir. I got it. I got it. Yes, I get it. Because for him to mess around means that he's deluding his purpose. It's bigger. It's bigger than his wife. And and, and this is what I think we miss sometimes. I was telling Pam. I said, before... Before it gets to me cheating on you, I have to step over a number of things before I step over my commitment to you. I got to step over, one, my commitment to God, my commitment to myself and my purpose on the planet, and then my commitment to you. So, women, if you're trying to you trying to make sure you got the right guy, you know, a good question to ask on a date is. What's your purpose? And if he don't know, you might want to go the other way. Because if he don't have anything that he's tied to other than you, then what makes you think he's going to stay with you? I'm just saying. That's a great first date question. What's your purpose on the planet outside of being here with me? I mean, seriously, woman, do you hear me? And men, do you hear me? The last thing I'll say is, where is your energy going? You know, where is your energy going? If it's not on distinguishing your purpose, then what else is it going towards? So, you know, in the end, that might be why you're living a mediocre life. Because your greatness is being wasted on something or someone that has nothing to do with your purpose. This episode of Inspirational Perspective was recorded at the Midway Broadcasting Corporation in Chicago, Illinois, on WVON 1690 AM, The Talk of Chicago. Thank you for listening. Go to the Inspirational Perspective Facebook page and like the page. Follow Linnell Harris on social media at the handle Linnell Harris. You can find him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with that handle. Text INSPIRED to 43783 to receive free inspirational quotes and updates.